everybody. Thank you for tuning into my podcast, Keeping It Real with Caramel. As we say 100, I have Norman on the line. I've talked to Norman probably in 2021. I think it's been a long, long time. Oh, my God. It's been a year ago. But um, we're going to see what Norman got going on. Hey, Norman, how are you? Hey, Carmel, I'm fantastic. Thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you. It's been like 2021 when I last talked to you. I know you have a lot yes. going on. <laughs> well, I'm coming at the other end of the pandemic. And, uh, <laughs> just, just feeling positive and, and hoping for the best. <laughs> right, right. Oh, my gosh. It's been a while. So, um, you're still in Canada, correct? I'm still in Toronto. Sure am. Okay. And um, so what's been going on with you? Um, the last time we spoke, you know, you was, you know, writing like, you, like you're like you doing now, and you was doing other stuff as well. So what's going on with you right now? Well, right now I've uh, just completed um, my third nonfiction, mm-hmm. which was, and I, and I think when we last spoke, I just, uh, I just come out with my second novel and my second nonfiction. But the second nonfiction was Take Charge, is sort of, and take charge of your life and move it forward. And I've just finished, finished the sequel to that, which is called Never Stop. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I just put that up on Amazon. Uh, it, it's in pre-release still. It'll, I think I'm going to be formally launching at the end of January, but it's up for uh, reader reviews. And uh, so far there is with fantastic. So I'm very happy about that. Oh, wow. Look at you. You're, yeah, you're and, taking uh, charge of the world today, right? <laughs> well, you got don't do it, it doesn't get done. But it's yeah, it's it's, it's sort of the ongoing challenge, and which is sort of the interest, the, the interesting theme of the book, which is you know as we move along, uh, the more we learn about things, yeah, uh, the more frightened, the more the more frightened we are of trying new things. And then that's uh, particularly true. as we get good at things, like when when we're just starting, when we just get out of school, we don't we know we don't know anything, and uh, we're not embarrassed to say we don't know because nobody expects us to know. Exactly. And then, as, and then as we as we start start to develop confidence and and expertise in particular areas, uh, we sort of become embarrassed about admitting that we don't know how to do other things that we just haven't had the time to learn. So, uh, so I I go through sort of the mechanics of uh, dealing with sort of constant change and adapting, which has kind of been the story of my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've also studied the, the stories of others, about uh, literally over 20 other people, entrepreneurs and professionals and business people. And I've, I've looked at their stories and see, uh, just to see what, what we can learn from them. In fact, my story begins, uh, and you may find this interesting, with uh, a drug addict. And she, she was basically a 13-year-old living on the streets in Toronto. Oh, wow. Yeah, with, with a drug addiction, and her parents had thrown her out. They really just didn't have any other choice. And she said, when you when you learn how to survive in those kind of conditions, uh, you're you're no longer afraid of anything. That is true. Because, because at one point I called her, like, you're a survivor. She said, no, I'm not a survivor, because sur- surviving suggests you've survived something. And for me, every day was a challenge of surviving. So, and she is now uh, quite quite a prominent criminal lawyer. Oh, wow. Uh, in Toronto, yeah. Yeah, and uh, she also goes back to the community and works with, with uh, youth 
time. But uh, but she she found her way. She got into law school. She kicked her addiction, uh, and she's uh, she's quite. I believe that we are capable capable to do anything that we want to do. We just have to put our mind into want to do it, you know? And I feel like sometimes, like, just like your book, you take charge of your life. You know, you don't let no one, um, you know, take charge of what you got going on. You have to take charge of you because if you don't, you're going to lose yourself. Exactly. You know? learning, keep moving, keep moving forward, and, and uh, the, the last thing that I, that I always stress is don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know, how to do things. Mm-hmm. And that's how I became a writer. I just continually, I, I didn't start writing until I was in my late 50s, but I was continually asking uh, asking people for advice and, and, and reading books and studying for my favorite authors and and, uh, and, just, and just learning, but understanding you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna succeed, nobody expects you to be able to do it by yourself. Right. And you, you need people in your corner. And and that's so true, but but I think a lot of people don't want to ask for help because they feel like they're disabled themselves. You know, that they, they can yeah. do it their own they like they can do it on their own. They don't need no one to, you know, help them because they feel like if they ask for help that they're weak or, or that they're not capable to do what they need to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. But you, you, you know you know what I learned, and this is from experience, uh, and also with some advice I got. But when I was when I was young in my career, I kind of figured that if I wanted help with somebody, the first thing I had to do was do them a favor. And, and it, only after doing them a favor, particularly strangers, could I ask them for something. Because I've done it, I've done something for the person. What I discovered through experience was uh, it actually works the other way. Mm-hmm. So, if, if, so if you're approaching, uh, if you're approaching a stranger and want to do something for them, they're a stranger. They, they yeah, probably uh, they, they, they figure they don't need anything from you. Uh, but if you approach someone and say, "Listen, I really need some assistance. Could you help me?" Not everybody's going to say yes, but the ones who do uh, will become your mentor. Because something in their brain is telling them, if I'm doing this person a favor, it must be because I like them. Mm-hmm. And and they'll continue. And, and what I found is those people continue to show up in my life. And that's a lesson that I learned from none other than Ben Franklin. Oh, wow. And he, he, he tells the story of someone who... Um, uh, who uh, was an adversary of his in government? Mm-hmm. Didn't like him at all. Like, and, and they, they they simply didn't like one another. But he knew he needed. He knew that he was going to need to develop this fellow's help. He also knew he had a rare book collection. So one day he said, "Listen, uh, would you happen to have a first edition copy of some book uh, that Franklin was interested in that, that he knew he had?" And the fellow lent it to him. And he said that from that moment on, they went from being adversaries to best of friends. Wow. Why? Because the other fellow did him a favor. <laughs> so, okay, well, 
you know, he, he, was, he was a really smart guy. I could learn from him. <laughs> right, right. You know, sometimes, like, you never know if, okay, like, you know how when people doesn't want to ask for help, but you know that person that, you know, that may can help you, y'all can, like you say, y'all could be the closest friends because, you know, y'all can feed off each other to help each other to climb to the top or whatever you're trying to do, but you can feed off each other and make something successfully happen. Yeah, and and I certainly found that in my business career. Uh, I wouldn't have been half the lawyer that I was or half the business person that I was without a few key relationships. They couldn't have done it without me. Mm -hmm. I never could have done it without them. Mm-hmm. That is that is true. So, do you still do TED talks? Um, yeah, uh, TED talks and stuff like that. Uh, well, I did. It, 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 your timing is perfect because I did one uh, at the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. So literally, the, the year let off. I spoke at a Canadian university. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a TED event. It was it was interesting. It was a great challenge because I was speaking uh, to an empty auditorium because the university for me, the students from attending because of the, the COVID restrictions at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the speech I gave was becoming the person you can't imagine. And it was part of an overall theme of blueprints. And and, uh, and, and the theme of my speech is, you know, take, take your blueprints and throw them in the trash because the reality is your career is going to move like a river. Right. And this, this advice that I got from my, my uncle Harry, actually, who appeared with me on stage, but I can get that, that afterwards. Or anybody who wants to, to see the TED Talk and go uh, go listen to Uncle Harry, who's on with me. And his uh, and thing, which you do, again, a, a, a little piece of advice he gave me actually on his deathbed was uh, you, can, you can plan all you want, and, but what you're going to find if you over plan is that for the most part, you're wasting all your energy paddling upstream at, at this elusive goal that you may never get to, or if you do get to it, you'll find you're exhausted mm-hmm. or you can, or you can steer your boat down the river. Then this is your lifeboat down the river mm-hmm. and grab, reach for the opportunities as they pass you by. He said, which is what he did. He said, I think if you, if you follow that advice, uh, you'll have a successful life. And, of course, it was only about 50 years later when I looked back at my career I said, that, I, that I recognized I did it. Actually, <laughs> actually followed Uncle Harry's advice. So Uncle Harry is, is the hero of my, of my TED Talk, and it's been used now by, just, by almost half a million people. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Over the, over the last eight months, yeah. That is super so, awesome. Yeah, so it's, so it's, got, it's got an appeal to, uh, to listeners, and, and, and I'm getting emails from people all over the world. Oh, that is super from India, awesome. From Israel, from the U.S. And a number of them having faced the kinds of things that I faced, and, you know, which included uh, uh, complete business collapse that happened to me now about seven years ago. I just, I, and, uh, and, you know, what it's like to experience loss, like severe loss in your life, and how you move on from that. So it's kind of a... Uh, the, the, the speech was I mean, was a great test for me because uh, never in my uh, I'm, I'm quite comfortable speaking. Uh, I don't mind getting on and just talking for for half an hour, an hour, forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. But to but to deliver 
a specific game speech in 18 minutes uh, is a lot of work. It's, you have to, it's like being an actor. You have to memorize your script, uh, which is 18 minutes of speaking, uh, no notes, no prompter, and just get out there and make it look like it's all natural. <laughs> <laughs> but you did it, though. That's all that matters. I did it. I did it. You know? It, it, was, it was on my bucket list. Like, one, you know, try doing a TED Talk once in your life, and, and, uh, and hopefully you'll succeed. Wow. So he's looking down on you. There you go. Like he's he's your yeah, angel. he's your angel. He's your angel, right? He's like, I got you. Don't worry. <laughs> That's what I kept telling myself. That and my dog. Because, uh, it was just, yeah. I walked the dog twice a day, so I would go out and be out with the dog, and I'd be doing. I'd say, okay. Uh, we're going to start the speech. Start the speech today. Instead of from the beginning, we're going to start it from the words "I failed," which is like 14 minutes in. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I and I give the speech to the dog as we're walking. Of course, uh, I I can't say anything about the neighbors or people in the neighborhood who must have looked at me like I was not you. <laughs> Like one of these crazy guys talking out loud. Talking out loud, he's talking to his dog. What's dog. wrong with him? <laughs> oh my God, this neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Putting his arm around his imaginary uncle Harry, and having a conversation with him. Nah, I'm, I'm crossing the street with this guy. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So what else you have going on? I mean, I know that you know. Um, have the the books and um you know you're doing your speaking and so you have a lot going on right now so what do I got a lot going on and uh, and I have a rule it's, it's uh, I alternate between my novels and my nonfiction mm-hmm. uh, largely because I find the nonfiction much easier to write but the novels are way much more of a challenge mm-hmm. and so it's like it's like the dessert if I, if I if I eat all my vegetables I get that dessert dessert's the next nonfiction. But uh, so I'm right in the middle right now of uh, uh, my third novel. Oh gosh! Look at you, Norm. Yeah. You're just doing it. <laughs> You're not stopping. Nothing's stopping you right now. Uh, never stop. That's my book. Never stop. <laughs> so do you? Do you actually have like quality time for yourself besides writing? Like, do you do things oh, outside sure. of that? You know, what? I spend about. Uh, five hours a day writing because that's when I hit the wall. Mm-hmm. And I just say, regardless of that, I just say, okay, it's enough. And the rest of the day, I either uh, I do still spend some time on Zoom. I've got, uh, you know, I still work on the odd uh, business deal across the continent. I'm doing, working on something in Memphis. I'm mm-hmm. working on something in Toronto. Um, and I've got, and I do a fair amount of mentoring. And uh, weekends are for the kids. And my because you're never bored. Hey, there you go, because you have so much going on that, you know, besides your writing, you still have that personal life. Because sometimes people indulge themselves into all their writing. Like, they do it, like, what, all day, all night, right? And they don't have that time for themselves. And I think it's good that you have time and spend time with your grandkids and your family and because it has you thinking about more things that you can write about. That's how I feel about it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's just there. The, the, I find the more I experience uh, and, and the more the 
times I cross with people, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the more material I pick up. Right, right, because that is your writing material. When you see other people do things or you're talking to other people and they have interesting stories and you're talking to this person, what happened to this person or whatever you're doing and you're and you a people's person and start, you know, knowing, like, just getting to know people, that's more writing material, as I say, instead of sitting by the computer and just trying to figure out what you're going to write. You know, I think you need to interact with other people to to have a good, you know, good a good novel or good, you know, whatever you're trying to write. You know. And very often, I find the the best material that I that I get. I also post quite a bit on LinkedIn, and that's just advice for uh, for young entrepreneurs and professionals. Mm-hmm. And very often. Uh, what I post up there comes out of a conversation that I just had with somebody yesterday. Oh, that's and it, awesome. it, you know, and, and it just it triggers triggers a thought in my head. Uh, the other thing I'm experimenting with is uh, is writing comedy now, and not comedy routines, but yeah, uh, just short short stories uh, where I poke fun at myself, mm-hmm. uh, going going back through the various experiences of my life, but looking at it from the lens Uh, not so much 
the critique does help a little bit. Uh, more for the feeling of responsibility, like, okay, I've committed to do this, so every two weeks I'm going to write a best, I'm going to write a story. So I think what I'd say to people is there's only one way to write, and that's to write. And you may say to yourself, well, I don't know where to start, or I don't know how to write. And to that, I would say, let's just think of a story from your life. Forget about fiction for a moment. But just think of a story for your life and write that story down. Yeah, yeah. And just hear And if you say, well, I don't know how to write down, and, and, and I had this with one of the fellows in my group, and I, all I said to them was, listen, Jerry, just say it out loud. And then, and then type the words as you're saying it out loud. Because most people can tell a great story when they're with friends. And you, nobody has trouble telling a story or recounting an event. And so just take, recount that event with your fingers on the typewriter just to get into the habit of writing down a story. And that's, and that's how you start little bits. Uh, for somebody who wants to write fiction, I'd say uh, start with fiction for dummy. Which, and I don't say that as a joke, that's our iceberg. If you haven't taken a creative writing course, Fiction for Dummies is the equivalent of a creative writing course. But the only way you're going to learn how to write is to write. That's right. That's and, and to write every day. It's just get into the habit. This is how I started. I, I decided, okay, uh, when I first began, I, that was back to, uh, to 20. 14. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was about nine years ago. Mm-hmm. And in and, and 2013, and, all, and every single year prior to that, uh, I said to myself, I've never, I, I, I'm never going to write a book. So I'm certain of it. Among, which is, you, you say applies to pretty much everything I've done in my life. It always started with, I'm pretty sure I'm never going to do this. <laughs> right. Until I start. And I didn't start thinking I was going to write a book. I just started saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to write down my stories. Mm-hmm. Everyone that I can remember, not necessarily in order. I'm just going to start writing stories, and I'm going to write two hours a day. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not getting up until I've written X number of pages. Right. So that, that was my rule. So, if I, and if I wrote the X number of pages faster, I could get up. Mm-hmm. But the idea was, I'm just going to write, try to write a story from any time when I finish that little episode, and I can get up. That's right. And and that. After about three weeks, uh, became a habit, and and really, I think people's biggest problems have to do with dabbling. Mm-hmm. You like you you get distracted, you have to do something. Oh no, I can do this this week, so I can't write this week. And I got three days next week, I can't do it, so I'm going to start three. It's like any New Year's resolution. You resolve you're going to do it, and then you have a hundred reasons why you're not doing it. And that's true, but sometimes you, you have to train yourself to do it. It's just anything. Like, you train yourself how to ride a bike or train yourself how to drive a car. It's just like a training process. You have to train yourself to, okay, I'm going to do this, and this is what I'm going to do. But you gotta, you may, gotta, you, you got to show up. Right. And you got to make an appointment. you got to make an appointment with yourself to show up, and you have to treat it like any other appointment. So right. if you say, to maybe once a week, maybe twice a week, whatever it is you say you're going to do, Right. Put it in your calendar. Right. Start. It starts with that. To make make the commitment. Put it in your calendar, and then when the time comes, don't don't double book yourself. <laughs> <laughs> don't double book yourself, and and then sit down and do it. 
But I, I can tell you, you know, it, it's not like it gets easier. I mean, some things about it get easier. You, you start to learn the tricks. You start to learn the rules. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, you know, it, particularly if you're working with, with guidance, you're, you are going to improve with time. And the stuff you write when you, when you start, certainly the stuff I wrote when I started, uh, you know, was, was pretty much garbage. I had to, particularly when it came to fiction, like I had to learn uh, what, what the rules were for writing fiction. Mm-hmm. And, or as, as one author who, who uh, mentored me to come along, and in fact, I'm having coffee with him on Thursday, we, we stayed in touch. So I said to me, he said, you know, you have to know what the 10 basic rules are uh, before you can break them. <laughs> Yeah, you do. Yeah, you have to know what they are. <laughs> yeah, you, you do. And then you know why you're breaking. And then you know why you're breaking. Exactly. There you go. Wow. I don't think any other skill. You, you can learn it, but if you don't put in the hours, I, I think it was Malcolm uh, Gladwell, I think, who said it was 10,000 hours. Did the Beatles perform for 10,000 hours before anybody discovered them? Yes, they did. They they perform a lot, and no one no one really pays them any attention, you know. And 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 yeah. it, and it's crazy because you have to put in the work, and uh-huh. no matter if anyone's paying you any attention or your book doesn't or someone says no to you, you still have to put in the work and keep going. You can't stop. So for anybody who says I can't, it's too much work. I'm, I'm too old to start, you know, I'm, I'm the guy raising, raising his hand saying, listen, I started doing this at age 57. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, you're never too old to start. And you can learn it. And you can learn it if you just, if you can devote the time and just be, it's, you know, it's a pain in the end of consistency. It's like, it's like anything else you do. Yeah. You want to be successful, you have to just stay at it. And you also have to understand if, you know, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And I think the final point I made, and again, I, I make all these points in, in Never Stop, the book I've just published, mm-hmm. is, is is you you just you stick at it, and you know there are going to be difficult times, and you're going to make mistakes. And the best thing you can do is make mistakes. Because mm-hmm. every time you correct one of those mistakes, you get better. That's it. Good advice, good advice. Audience, I hope you're taking that advice. I hope you're writing that down because Norm is telling you some good advice. Norm, so if people want to contact you, how can they contact you? All right. The hardest part of contacting contacting me is spelling my name right. So it's (laughs) (laughs) It's like, how do you spell Bacall? I don't know. I want to get better than what I can. It's Norman Bacall, B-A-C-A-L, one A, two A's. B C N L. So Bacall, NormanBacall.com. And just go to my website. You can find out all about me. You can get to my TED Talk. You can get to all my books. Uh, you can join my mailing list. You can, uh, if you want to get in touch with me, just leave me a little note there. And, uh, and, I, and I can tell you, anybody who reaches out to me, like Alabama Fragments, if you reach out to me and ask for help, I will always respond. That is super awesome. And again, like always, it's always a pleasure talking to you because I know I'm going to talk to you again very soon. And All right, come up. just keep doing what you're doing, and God bless you. Same to you, and you keep doing what you're doing because it's fantastic. Thank you so much. Have a good All one. Right. All right. Bye-bye. All right, bye.